It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Fox Nation presents podcasts. I love that women are featured so prominently in this. And I think, you know, I think the reason I love Esther and Deborah so much is I relate to them. And I guess I probably should say that Mary's my favorite woman in the Bible. Women of the Bible speak. Now here's your host, Shannon Breen. Welcome to Women of the Bible Speak podcast. I'm your host and author of the book, Shannon Breen. Whether you grew up going to Sunday school and reading the Bible, or you haven't read it in years, There are so many inspiring and timeless stories in the Bible, and many people don't realize what a big role women played in these stories. These women I write about are dealing with things that are still relevant to the women of 2021. They are all amazing lessons that fit today that we can all find inspiration and hope from. We are joined by somebody who's going to talk about one of the most unusual stories in the Bible, one of the least known, but I'm so glad we got to include it in the book and that she's willing to come here and talk about it today. Penny Nance is joining us. She is the CEO and president of Concern Women for America. She's also got podcast Concern Women Today. She's an author. She's a speaker. You've probably seen her on Fox a lot. She's a frequent guest with us. She's married to the one and only Will, who is pretty amazing in his own right, and her fabulous children. Like me, she is a dog mom and a graduate of Liberty University. Unlike me, she's also a preacher's kid. So um, did she turn out like the footloose kind? We're going to figure out exactly what was happening there. Penny, welcome. Oh, you had to be a certain age to even get that reference there. No, it's true. But listen, all of us who grew up around the church, the PKs, as they call the missionary or the preacher kids and the MKs were the missionary kids. They were either like super straight and narrow, pretty good kids, or they were like, footloose time, like wild child. Yeah. Um, where did I, you say I, that you uh, fell, Penny? I know where you ended up. Well, no, I actually was, I mean, this, this would surprise maybe people, but I actually was pretty straight arrow. Mm-hmm. Um, the things I got in trouble for at Liberty was, uh, my skirt was too short. My room Same. was a mess late for chapel. I mean, you know, there was <laughs> right. We weren't like going off campus and, you know, getting falling down drunk or anything. Yeah, there was no we point. maybe showed our knees a little bit with the yes. skirts. Yes. I, I love, I gotta say it's not the same at Liberty. It's, it's actually, there's, they don't have nearly the rules that we have. Which, so when the students complain to me now, I just roll my eyes, but Mm-hmm. I loved it there. I met some of my very best friends and it mm-hmm. was just, it was a life changing experience for me. And I grew so much and I'm still happy to, I'm actually happy to serve now on the board of trustees mm-hmm. for Liberty. So it's just, it's, I'm, I'm a love go flames. I love Liberty. Me too. Flames nation. Uh, I met my hubs there. And like you said, lifelong friends And, um, and honestly, I, and you were probably like this too, just the regular course material that you take. I was one class away from having a theology minor. I should have just taken one more class. I should go online right now and take the class so I could be a theology minor because you go there, you're going to take a lot of Bible study classes and you're going to be close to getting something like that. That's true. I, I did. I think I figured out that I did have enough for a Bible minor. I was a journalism major public mm-hmm. relations, uh, business minor, but I did have a lot of Bible classes and, but you know, the one thing, the difference between you and I, and I know this about you, Shannon, you were a serious student. I wasn't, 
<laughs> yeah, I was the nerd hanging out in the library. Oh, We've okay. talked about this. I, I, I loved had, it there. That's my happy place. I mean, there's a lot of rules, but I had a lot of fun. I had a lot. I didn't keep all the rules. Let's be honest. I mean, we're thinking <laughs> to go to the movies. <laughs> I know. And, and listen, um, you can have a good time and you can, the rule book is called the Liberty way. Mm-hmm. And, um, I served on the board that decided the student faculty board that decided who got kicked out of school. My husband jokes, he went before the board. I was on the board. (laughs) So luckily (laughs) we did not get kicked out. Uh, But listen, as much as we grew up in the church and studied the Bible, when I started putting together this book, women of the Bible speak, I learned things about everybody who was included in this um, book. So whether you know anything about religion um, or you don't, or you know the Bible or you don't, like I learned so much. And these women were so powerful. They were smart. They were brave. I mean, you would hope that in some of these moments they face that we would step up and be that brave, but gosh, there's so much to learn from and admire from these women that totally applies in 2021. Um, And we're going to talk about, I love that you picked this. We're going to talk about Deborah. And Yale, some, it starts with a J. Some people may pr- pronounce it JL, but that's the chapter we're going to talk about. These were some powerful women. Why did you decide these are the two you want to talk about? Well, first, let me say, I love what you wrote about these women. I haven't gotten to read the whole book yet. I got a, I got a little preview and I'm, I've already pre-ordered some and I'm going to order some as for friends, for gifts, for graduation gifts. I think this will be, this will be my go-to this year. Because you never, even if you give a gift card, I, that just seems so chintzy. Like I want to do a book. And so I love uh, books. In the past, I've given uh, seven women from um, Eric, um, mm-hmm. but this year it's going to be yours. So I thank it, you. And you did a great job with it. it. You're right. There was things in there. So I was all ready to talk about this. And then I read what you wrote and I, it reminded me of some things and, and sort of teased out some things that I hadn't thought of. But I think the overall, what I love about these women and, and really my two favorite characters in the Bible, characters, people from the Bible um, is Queen Esther and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and Deborah are my yes. two favorite. And now I'm quickly adding Yale to that list. Because <laughs> she, I mean, this is not, this is the other reason I chose it. This is the PG-13 version of the Bible, right? This isn't just, mm-hmm. you know, boring. This is, could be a major motion pic- picture. Mm-hmm. If Hollywood would choose to do this the right way, this would be a fantastic movie because it has everything. Um, but it would be PG-13 for violence because it is a very violent story. Well, I, we might get to an R on the violence in this. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> Possibly. rough. But, but I love that women are featured so prominently in this. And I think, you know, I think the reason I love Esther and Deborah so much is I relate to them. And I guess I probably should say that Mary's my favorite woman in the Bible, but, but, but is, but I relate, I think more to mm-hmm. you know, Deborah and Esther because they, they were, you know, Mary was, unbel- was amazing and she was good and pure and was chosen to be the mother of God. I can't relate to that. <laughs> I'm scrappy and, you know, I'm a fighter and I've spoken truth to power like Esther and I have fought for what I believe to be true pretty much my whole life. That's how God wired me. Mm-hmm. And of course, Deborah was, was a judge. And this is, this is, she was set up a woman ahead of her time, a woman of great respect in Israel who was, you know, was set up for people to bring disputes in front of. 
Yeah, I love that. I mean, she was in this position, the only woman I believe that's recorded in the Bible that held this position, um, that she was a judge that people would come to her for pronouncements over disputes they were having for the answers to religious questions and insights there. But she was really, she was the leader of Israel at this time. As we see throughout the Old Testament, they had gotten themselves in and out of trouble a number of times. This was not a good period. No, they're back in trouble. They're They're back back in trouble again. So Deborah is, she is the, um, really the, the legal, the spiritual, the judicial leader of uh, Israel at this point. But here's the thing. She was unafraid. If she believed God was telling her and calling her to do something as we see play out mm-hmm. uh, in the Bible, she stepped up. I mean, there were nations over many times that were oppressing Israel and the people were going through horrible things. So they're, they're up against these, this other group. King Jabin is the king. Sisera is the opposing army's leader. They had all kinds of stuff like chariots, hundreds and hundreds of them. And when I was studying this and reading and asking theological experts who know way more than I do about this time period, they talked about how Israel were like, they had nothing. They were considered kind of nomadic people. Right. They wouldn't have had uh, the skills to build the weapons. They wouldn't have had the metals and the um, resources that they needed to put these things together. Mm-hmm. So when Deborah gets this message from God saying like, okay, you guys are going to go up against this nation. She doesn't hesitate. Well, despite that. Give some context to that. So, you know, for people that don't aren't Bible scholars, and I I don't consider myself a Bible scholar. I just am a preacher's kid who sat in church a lot and then went to liberty. But the Canaanites, if we had an example to compare them to today, it'd be ISIS. I mean, mm-hmm. they were terrorists. They sacrificed their children to their fake god. They were violent. And I also have to think, I have to think that what God probably used to lay this on Deborah's heart is she is, again, selling disputes and uh, hearing the concerns of people. So for 20 years, they couldn't even use the highway system. Right. Because the Canaanites had been raping and stealing and killing. Mm-hmm. And these horrible, horrible, heartbreaking stories, I picture, of course, the Bible doesn't tell this but is coming before her day after day after day, like horrible things that she's learning that the Canaanites have done to the Israelis. And she's like, enough, like God is calling you Barak. So she calls the general Barak from Israel, Israel's general, Israel's general to, to meet with her and says, God, and God had told her this, that you are to take on the Canaanites, you're going to take on Jabin, who's the the leader of the Canaanites, and you are going to defeat them. And of course, his <laughs> her is, yeah, like because of what you said, there's 900 chariots, they're not nearly equipped, they're not funded like them, they're a scrappy army. And she tells him how to do it, go recruit 10,000 from mm-hmm. one tribe, 10,000 from another tribe. And he's like, look, I'll go if you go with me. But that's my condition. Like, I'm not going without you. I'm not going without you, which, you know, I think part of, sometimes I hear a sermon about this. I've heard people talk about this and they portray Barack as weak. I don't see it that way. I I don't think he was weak as much as he knew his own weaknesses and recognized Deborah to be a great motivator Mm. and recognized that together, him leading the army and her there to like motivate the troops that they, it really was this great winning teamwork that, you know, and of course the victory belongs to God, but I, I think he was actually strategic. 
Yeah, he might have looked at what he was up against and was like, oh, this doesn't seem like the greatest idea. But you feel, you know, you say that you've heard from God. So if you'll go with me, I'll do it. And she's like, okay, I will go with you, but you're not going to get the glory Right. What happens here? She said the opposing leader, Sisera, the big general of the opposing army, he's actually going to be delivered into the hands of a woman because of your hesitation or you're needing me to come with you. So that was a prophecy that she put out there that his hesitation in some way um, may have cost him some of the, quote, glory over this battle. We'll have more of this interview coming up. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Okay, this is where your book comes into play. I always, always thought the prophecy was she was talking about herself. Right, (laughs) right. That's what a lot of people think. That if she went with him, and this is true, like she knew PR, right? She knew marketing. And that if she went, the big story was going to be that a woman led the Israelites into battle and God delivered this pagan country, very wealthy country into their hand, into the hands of a woman. Mm -hmm. But, but it's not really clear. And I guess we'll get to that in a minute, like really Mm -hmm. what, what the prophecy is about. But I always thought it was about her, about Deborah. Mm -hmm. I used to think that too, because I thought she's leading them. And if he is not going to go on his own and she's going to go with him and lead the military or or whoever they could recruit, you know, into, into battle. I, I used to think that too, that it would be her, but here's what we find out. They go into battle. It is such a routing that everyone in the Canaanites opposing army is killed. It's not like they squeak out a win. I mean, this is overwhelming force. No one would have predicted this, including the Israelites. They would not have thought that they were going to go into the situation and, and be so decisive, but there's one person left. Well, and just back up for a second and reckon, and I, I, I forget who, who, where, what commentary I was reading on this, but in chapter 15, it tells us what, what happened is it God made it rain mm-hmm. so hard that those 900 chariot chariots got stuck in the mud. Right. Right. So, so all of those hand-to-hand combat against a group who really liked hand-to-hand combat. Right. They were good at and that. They, and they were devastated. To your point, everybody died except for their commander, who which makes you wonder what was he doing hiding out that he right. didn't die. Yeah. So so yeah, the great point about the chariots. So even that they had all of these super expensive, fancy, advanced chariots, they were known for that, those 900 chariots. When they all get stuck in the mud, there's nowhere to go. I mean, they can't. So, so Sisera, the commander of the army, the opposing army is the only one who lives and he takes off and starts running and he ends up uh, among a, another nomadic group of people. But for whatever reason, he feels comfortable there. He feels right. safe there and he meets Yael and she invites him in. And right. So he's running away because there's an alliance between mm-hmm. between um, the Canaanites, who is this other no, very this is a nomadic tribe that, by the way, is from uh, Jethro's lineage, who mm-hmm. is the father in law of Moses. OK, so they normally tend to be pretty they in the past had been pretty um, chummy with the Israelites because they're kind of, you know, family. Right. But actually, at this point in the his, in the history, they have made an alliance with their mortal enemies, ISIS, hmm. hashtag ISIS, the Canaanites, the Canaanites. And so um, 
so he thinks he's going, you know, Cicero thinks he's going to hang out in a, a in the, with his um, allies. But on the way, as you say, he runs into Yale, who says, hey, you don't have to go into town. Come on in. Come on in and sit a while. Sit a while in my tent and I'll, I'll, you know, take care of you. Mm -hmm. And he clearly, I mean, he felt safe there. He went there and he's knowing that his whole army has been defeated. He's got to go somewhere safe. She invites him in. She's out there. She invites him in. He asks for something to, to drink and, you know, for some shelter, she gives him what, the more I read about it, it sounds like something beyond just a milk, more like a yogurt or something that would be very calming. Maybe that you would give someone um, like warm milk you would give to a baby or something like that. She covers him up. She gives him a place to hang out and to sleep. And then she yes, risks well, everything. <laughs> she lures him in. I mean, cause he's actually just going to go by and she lures him into her tent, which tells me like she knew who he was mm-hmm. and she had a plan. Mm-hmm. And I, and the other thing it, I, you know, the Bible doesn't tell us the whole story. And so I don't know if this is true, but I truly believe it's true. This woman, I believe what had been a victim of the Canaanites, like she was very angry mm-hmm. <laughs> They are her family or her children. Like I, this is a woman who had a reason, I believe to do what she did. And so she brings him in, as you said, gives him more milk. I think Deborah's song, it talks about curds, which makes me think of Wisconsin. I don't know. Cheese curds. Are really <laughs> good. Um, but, um, but the what covers him up. He's exhausted from, you know, the battle he's been scared. He like, and so he falls sound asleep and it, let's remind everybody that the women of that time in the nomadic culture were the ones who put up and struck down the tents. Mm-hmm. So as they moved around, it was the woman's job to decide where they went to put up the tent. And, you know, they, they must've been really strong because they have to hammer in these tent pegs in order to keep their tent in place. She, I just picture her as like totally buff. (laughs) And uh, so as he goes to sleep, after he's sound asleep, she picks up the tent peg and she puts it and at his head and drives it all the way through her temple, all all the way through his temple Mm -hmm. to the ground and murders him in her tent. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's, the PC 13 part. Yeah, that's, I mean, you think about that and you make such a good point with the women. There were the ones who literally set up housekeeping or set up the home. So she would be strong and familiar with the hammer, with the tent peg. She would have set up that tent likely And the thing is, we don't get the whole story. I mean, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly what was going through her mind, but she clearly had a plan to this end. And like you said, who knows if she had been victimized by the Canaanites or she had just seen their destruction. If she somehow had a soft spot or had seen their oppression of Israel, whatever Mm -hmm. happens that when Barak comes through, she grabs him and says, come see what I've done. Mm -hmm. So Barak is the leader of the, uh, uh, of Israel's army who had been told by Deborah because you've hesitated or because you want me to come with you, the glory for getting Cicero will eventually go to a woman. And that's Yael and that she's the one. And so we then see this enormous um, singing and dancing and the song of Deborah, where she um, praises Yael. And she talks about how much oppression they'd had. You mentioned um, that they were not even using their highways. I mean, Israel was that afraid they couldn't even use their roadways. They were having to go these big circuitous routes to try to get around and be safe. And after this, it ushered in several decades 
of peace and of harmony for Israel. And all because Deborah goes into a situation that everybody on the outside and looking from the world's values would have said, this is ridiculous. You're going to get all of your men slaughtered, but she was told by God and that's all she needed. And I think about that for us today and how we apply that, that sometimes we're called into situations that we're like, ah, yikes, that, how is this going to work? How am I going to, you know, that person's impossible or these odds are impossible, or we don't have the money for this, or we don't have the people for this, mm-hmm. or I'm not equipped like Moses. It was like, I don't want to speak. I'm not the right person. Go find someone else. I mean, but what if we respond like Deborah mm-hmm. or like Yale in the moment where we're called up to do something, to go to battle and we're in spiritual battle every day. Right. Um, will we take up the weapons we've been given, um, the word of truth, uh, all of those things, um, yeah. scripture, um, things that we have to fight with, to fight our battles with, will we be the Deborah? Yes. Well, and of course we're not endorsing violence just for the, no, hate. no, I'm talking, listening. right. But, but I do think that Yale, um, does offer us a picture of a desperate woman who was not willing to be a victim anymore. I mean, again, that's my interpretation, but, um, but she was brave. She's in this moment and she's a war hero. That's let's recognize what it is. She's a war hero. In fact, I, I was just telling somebody today that I, I just, I sort of feel like she was a forerunner to Mossad, you know, she yeah. was like the first Israeli agent and, uh, and, and she ends up, I, I, I believe she was probably taken back to Israel with them because Lord knows she couldn't just stay there now, mm-hmm. but, um, but, but yes, you're right. I mean, it, it maybe it's a different thing. Maybe it's like we feel God. And I can think of a couple of times where you feel God calling you to something, but you're scared mm-hmm. and you'd feel ill-equipped and may, and, and, you know, often many of the things I've done in life often weekly, mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like I am asked to do things that I am ill-equipped to do. But what I comfort myself with is that if God calls us to something, he's not going to leave us stranded. Like he's going to give us the ability to follow through and to be successful. So you're looking at an army that is, has iron chariots and is better equipped and, you know, in every single way, but God is telling you to stand up for truth and stand up for the weak. You'd better do it. I mean, there's certainly been times in my life where, you know, there's never been a time when I felt like the Holy spirit was leading me to do something and it seemed hard and I didn't want to do it, but I was obedient, but there are, there's been more than one time where I wish I had. And, and God doesn't just need me to accomplish his will. Like he, he can use somebody else. Um, but you know, I, I later recognized like, you know, God was calling me that why did, whether it's even talking to that person, right. You know, stopping on the street and talking to the homeless person or, a, you know, a bigger thing going on TV or, or leading a, a, the nation's largest public policy women's organization. I'm a preacher's kid from Appalachia. How did I end up doing that? You know, how did I end up being able to be on your awesome show um, mm-hmm. and, and talk about some of the hard issues of the day? It is when God calls us, he equips us and we just have to be faithful and do everything we can do within our power, but to follow him. I don't always do it perfectly, but we all need to strive. That's part of the Christian walk is to try to Mm -hmm. honor the Lord with our lives every single day, even when the odds feel against us, but, you know, following our conscience and standing up to the bullies and standing up for truth, even when other people don't particularly want to hear it. But if God's called you to tell it, you got to tell it, you got to do it. 
Yeah, I find so much uh, courage through Deborah because of that. And, and the fact that we don't see any wavering or hesitation from her. And we know that she was probably constantly in prayer and seeking God because of the leadership role that she was in and having to settle these disputes among the, the people of Israel. So, you know, it says to me that the closer you're walking with God, the more when he asks you to do something, you'll remember his faithfulness and know his power in that. Um, just a couple of the stories that we include in the book, Women of the Bible Speak, 16 Women and Their Lessons for Us Today. Um, there are a few extra, we threw in a few extra women. So you actually get some bonus beyond 16. Uh, 16 are the primary study and, and the book has study questions to help guide you through. You can do it as a group or by yourself. Um, but Penny, thank you very much for joining thank us today you. to talk about these warriors and to find some inspiration. Well, thanks for having me. And it is a great book, Shannon. I love it. I'm going to give it away for graduation and birthday gifts. And um, it's you did a great job. Congratulations. Thank you for listening to Women of the Bible Speak on the Fox News Podcast Network. For more of this podcast series, you can go to foxnewspodcast.com. Please rate and review this one wherever you download podcasts. We want to hear what inspires you. My book, Women of the Bible Speak, The Wisdom of 16 Women and Their Lessons for Today, is out March 30th and available for pre-order right now at foxnews.com books. This has been Fox News Presents Podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.